Hello and welcome to the Eastman's Predator Pros Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Nimnick, and we are back. And we are one week closer to me getting to go kill some coyotes. So I'm getting pretty pumped up. I'm about three weeks out. Um, I, yeah, a little bit more, four weeks, let's call it. But I'm I'm getting pretty psyched now. Uh, the evenings are cooling off a little bit. It's not 95 out anymore. We're, we're still hitting, you know, some high 80s, maybe low 90s. But you can definitely feel the change in the air. So... I'm getting ready, man. I love this time. Uh, any change of season for me. I mean, even from going from coyote hunting to baseball season, I get the same way. You know, now I'm kind of going from summer to to coyote hunting season. So um, I love it, man. I'm I'm starting to get pumped up. Got a lot of cool stuff planned for this this season with last stand filming trips, um, some of the coyote classes, uh, some other hunts that I got going on. So it's going to be an awesome season. I can't wait. But uh, Enough with that. This podcast got a good buddy of mine, Josh Kinzer on. He is the marketing director for Big and J, as well as Swagger Bipods. And uh, figured it'd be a great podcast to start uh, talk a little bit about shooting, shooting supports, specifically using a Swagger, some of the advantages to that, how to use it properly, um, kind of how it was invented, um, you know, and, and everything along those lines. You know, Josh has um, had the chance to shoot coyotes you know, different parts of the country. So I'm sure he'll have some, some stories that uh, he'll share along the way as well. So uh, should be, should be a good one. But before we get going, need to thank the sponsors of this episode, which are Hornady and Lucky Duck Predator Calls. Now actually just got my shipment of Hornady ammo the other day. So I'm rocking and rolling um, from the sounds of it. It sounds like things are, are probably back to somewhat normal as far as availability of a lot of the, the ammo. Uh, hopefully you're seeing the same thing, you know, it, it sucked, you know, last winter, winter before when you couldn't find what you wanted to shoot. So hopefully that, uh, starting to catch up a little bit and you can find whatever you want, but you know, I'm going to be running the 53s again. You know, I got, uh, I don't know, eight, nine cases of those ready for this winter. So, um, you know, if you listen to the podcast, I don't know, it was maybe eight, 10, 12 podcasts prior to this one, you know, I had the guys from Hornady on and we specifically talked about those 53 grain V maxes and why, you know, they do what they do and why they're so effective when it comes to the terminal ballistics, when it comes to shooting coyotes. And if you haven't checked out that podcast, I would. Uh, a lot of cool information in that one. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, if, if you can find some of those, if you're shooting an AR-15, you know, it seems like a lot of the questions I get are guys that, yeah, you you went and bought an AR-15 for coyotes and you've been messing around with, with different ammos, trying to see what works. Um you know, find you a box of 53s. If your rifle shoots them well, which I'm assuming it probably will, I guarantee it'll be the best bullet you ever shoot coyotes with. Um, you know, just with the terminal ballistics as far as what it does to coyotes once you hit them. You know, it even affords you, you know, a little bit of play when you miss hit a coyote, you know, a little bit further back or something like that. So, um, you know, if you're the market for that, check those out. I also got my case of, of three-inch BBs. Um, you know, I'm going to... That's kind of what I want to do this year. I, I really want to shotgun a few more coyotes than we normally do. You know, we call in a lot of close coyotes. A lot of times I don't have a shotgun, but um, with the filming side of things this year and the last stand, you're going to see, you're going to see as just as much, if not more shotgun stuff than you've ever seen. To me, that's the ultimate goal, right? If you can get coyotes in close and shoot them with shotguns, you're doing it right. So, and the footage is just that much better, right? When they're that close and, and stuff. So, so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to have the old Benelli loaded up with those three inch three inch bbs and and we're gonna go pound some coyotes with them so 
should be should be awesome. But like I said, if you're uh, looking for more information about different ammo types, um, ballistic coefficients, and all that kind of stuff, you know, ballistic charts, uh, you name it. You know, you can head over to their website, which is hornaday.com, and you can find out uh, all that information there. Now, with Lucky Duck Predator calls, um, you know, I don't have any new calls, you know, no new calls coming out for this year. Um, you know, kind of revamped some of the internal stuff on, on a few of those calls, just making them better than they were. You know, that's that's really what the goal is. You know, they take the feedback from guys like me and Rick Paulette and, you know, feedback from you as a coyote hunter. And they just continually, you know, are making these calls better and better and better and better. You know, there's a lot of internal workings, you know, electronics and programming and things like that that go into these things to get all these cool features like being able to play two sounds at once, getting the call to spin, run the decoy, you know, keeping that sound quality, you know, what it is, is really what makes the call in the first place. But uh, I know Rick, I've been trying to get Rick on for a podcast here. He's been crazy busy to talk about some of his new sounds that he has coming out. Um, as well that you can load onto these lucky duck calls. Um, so hopefully here in the next podcast or two, I'll get him and, and we can go through that too. But, um, you know, I'm going to be running that super revolt probably a majority of the time, uh, this season. Again, uh, the ability to play two sounds at once is pretty cool. I used it a ton towards the end of the season, you know, when it comes to playing different coyote bass sounds, I thought that was really cool. Such a, a cool feature. Um, but you know, I just like the ruggedness, the, the durability of that super revolt. You know, I like that bigger remote a little bit better you know the bigger screen the bigger buttons um and that seems to be the feedback that i get from guys too that that are using that you know plus you get all the features being able to spin it you get the decoy um you know everything in that case but one thing i do want to talk about here before i cut into the podcast is the lithium ion battery pack now hopefully you're using it um and if you are i'm sure you've already seen the advantage of it but if you're not if you're running a lucky duck e-call Spend the the hundred dollars and buy yourself the lithium ion battery pack. Um, you know, a you'll make money in the long run by not having to continually buy double A batteries. The performance of your call will be better by using lithium in there. Um, the having the ability just to plug the wall charger into the back of your call and charge it as opposed to pulling off the battery cover, pulling out the birdcage every time. You know, now your wiring and stuff is getting messed with all the time. It has the chance to to break or fray or something like that. You don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, and then just the the battery life itself, uh, with a with a fully charged lithium pack in my e-call, I can run it two full days. And, and that's run it, and I run a call hard. I'm talking about spinning it, you know, using the decoy all the time, uh, max volume. Um, and I'll go two full days and it doesn't matter if it's warm or cold. I'm not talking 30 below cold because obviously that does affect battery life a little bit, but you know, 10, 20 degrees, zero degrees, two full days, you'll get off a charge, you know? So hands down, one of the best investments you can do and in th those lithium packs fit in every single call, uh, that lucky duck makes. So if you're interested in looking up, grabbing yourself a lithium battery pack, maybe a lucky duck predator seat uh, you know, maybe upgrading your call, um, you know, head on over to luckyduck.com. You can check out everything they got to offer. Well, Mr. Josh Kinzer, great to have you on the podcast, man. We're, this is actually round two. You know, we gave this a shot the other night, but Elon's satellites weren't working real great. It's a little spotty, but I think we're locked in tonight. Yeah, you know, like I said earlier, I don't think it was Elon last night, which it, it can be, but I think it was my girl's. <laughs> 
they had unplugged some mesh nodes or whatever, but, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, I actually was laughing because I'm actually kind of glad that I got to, we, we, it was delayed because, uh, last night I had to take the girls had dance class, right? So my wife's out of town. She's up in Buffalo, New York. And so I'm going to this dance class that's like in a strip mall. Like, so it's in between like a subway and a spirit Halloween is where this like <laughs> dance class is. And I'm walking up and there's this dude talking in a truck and he's talking about calling and he's talking about like, and I'm like, I think this dude's talking about coyote calling. Like, so he's on like, you know, he's got his truck running. He's waiting for his daughter to get out of a different class than mine was in, but it's, you know, his windows are down and he's on the, the Bluetooth and he's just sitting there talking about calling and whatnot. And, and I'm hearing all this stuff. So I dropped my, my oldest daughter off and we had to, the other ones had to go to Walmart and he's like, dude, I can't get these coyotes to answer for nothing. Can't do this. And yeah, they're not coming to, you know, cottontail. I just walked by his window <laughs> and I was like, dude, we're having luck with pup distress right now. And I just kept walking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny but yeah i mean i just happened to walk by a dude outside the subway talking about cody calling in the, the parking lot it's amazing they're the most random spots sometimes you come across guys talking about coyote hunting and just you never know when you're gonna when you're gonna hear it yeah it's 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 different you know i, I know a lot of guys now um you know, not give away, divulge too much, but I mean, this is a very, very wealthy individual. He's got some of the best deer hunting property that you could want. And he's kind of over it. You know, he called me, he calls me every once in a while, like, hey, man, can we come call some coyotes on your place? Like, <laughs> you got, <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's just kind of the way that I think it evolves for some people. And, um, it, it's, it's such a different, a different thing that, um, when I was growing up and getting into hunting, it just, it, it, to me, it wasn't available. Like, and, and I, for a multitude of reasons, I didn't know anybody that called coyotes and I, I, I didn't know, you know, I grew up in, in Virginia, but it, it, I don't think we had any coyotes around. I, I don't know. I might be wrong, but I know, uh, we tried to talk about this a little bit the other night, but this just wasn't an opportunity dove hunting was an opportunity deer hunting was an opportunity smallmouth fishing things like that it just it didn't seem like maybe we didn't know that coyote hunting was an opportunity yeah I, there's a dispersement in high map. school god i would have gone crazy man oh yeah there's a disbursement map if you just like google like coyote disbursement in the last century mm. there's a pretty cool map um that comes up so it kind of shows you you know over the last you know century the decade by decade kind of when and yeah you talk about the east coast i mean they haven't had coyotes for you know 30 years you know 40 years tops you know where they had them but now you know obviously 40 years ago there wasn't probably enough there to consider really calling them you know and and getting after them so i you know we were talking about this on a podcast not too long ago about the difference between eastern and western coyote hunting and a big part of it is is a generational thing right like coyote hunting out west has been going on for generations so guys are you know have somebody to learn from right like whether it was their dad or their grandpa or a buddy that's done it for a long time and they learned it from somebody else you know the eastern guys 
we're really into like the first generation of coyote hunters in in the east right <laughs> right so they're, they're all kind of learning it from you know podcasts like this and videos and just trial and error there wasn't like a whole lot of oh i learned it from my grandpa because he's been doing it for 60 years now there really hadn't been coyotes in a lot of those areas that long so it's a unique thing you know where deer and everything else has been there forever so coyotes just new to everybody and it's it's obviously a lot different and it's just uh takes some time to to get it figured out yeah and i, I think there's almost a like like you're talking the the difference to east and west and then you almost got i don't want to put it into a complete but like a, a guy like gary roberson or something like that that in texas that has been doing that for for that long um and you know of course i think gary got into it there's a lot of bobcat stuff and mountain mm -hmm. lion stuff but like it's 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 just different you know and um i was hunting with uh john collins and another guy in kansas and i'm sitting here and we see his bobcat go by and i'm like not even thinking that i can't shoot it Right, because Kansas yeah, has yeah. a season, and I'm thinking I'm in Texas, and so <laughs> I, I think it's it, it it's just so different um, to see the way the different guys do it with dogs and and calls, and you know, um, I, I wish though I tell you, there's one thing that I could wish from a whitetail guy. I wish that we would make raccoon hunting as cool as we've made coyote hunting. We're, we're trying, man. I have more fun raccoon hunting than I do coyote hunting because it's, it's so much easier. It's so much, it's even faster paced than even I hunt coyotes, which is pretty fast paced. And yeah. And you, and there's just a trillion of them around, right? Like, yeah. Raccoon calling. Right, no, but nobody's, nobody's hunting them. No, you they're know, not. And, and, it's not as cool. It's not as glamorous, I guess, you know? And it's like we can all pontificate and go, "Wow, oh my God, what's the mystery of the the, the spring turkey?" Oh, it's not, it, you know, why are we not seeing turkeys? Because raccoons, man. <laughs> yeah. Like it's it, it, it's you know, and and if you if you look at any of the studies when you come into quail, we just talk about quail, and we 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 there's a lot more data and there's a lot more study on quail than a lot of things because the people that hunt quail. There's always a joke in South Texas. The the deer hunters show up in, in trucks, nice trucks, and the, the quail hunters show up in planes. And <laughs> people are always worried about their quail. But, I mean, it's been shown over and over and over and over and over and over again. Raccoons are the number one determining factor outside of drought on your quail population because they eat the eggs. Um. So, yeah, I, I as a whitetail guy, you know, and, and I like tur I love turkey too, but like raccoons, God, man, I've had some battles with some raccoons. Have you have you went and, and called them? Man, I I have. Um, I've had mixed success, um, and you know where I'm trying to deal with them right now is in the South Texas brush where we don't have a canopy. And so, um, guys that it, it, guys have come that have called there. It's also a wind form around us, so you 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 lose the amount of area that you can cover in a call, whether it be even if you're just blasting an electronic call, right? Yeah. It, it it can sometimes be dampened out by 
by external factors. So um, I've had a lot more success calling uh, raccoons in in other places, but I, I tell you, I I I've talked about this with a couple of folks lately. It's something I really want to get into because I trap them. That's what that's what I do. I, I use the coon, you know, the coon cuffs, the dog proof traps, oh, yeah, and yeah. A, a variety of things because you know I, I'm managing for whitetail, but. Um, They've they've kind of figured out my marshmallows and the coon cuffs. So <laughs> uh we're, we're into like the second generation of it, them figuring it, out the in that country, where where do those raccoons go during the day? Are they finding like little burrows and getting in real yeah. like thick clumps of brush or what brush what kind piles, of stuff is there? Uh, there is some brush piles there. You'll see the the coyotes do the same thing. Um that if there's anything man-made, which there's you know there's so much oil field work or windmill work or something going on with that land down there that somebody's going to push a brush pile to the side Yep, here, here and there. And so, uh, you know, they're, they're very tough to figure out exactly where they are. Like I could take you on, on our place and be like, man, this is where I think the bobcats live. This is where I think the bob, you know, coyotes live raccoons, man. They go deep. And and they don't come out until you know. Of course, they don't come out until the night, right? But if you're in Kentucky, if you're in uh, Tennessee or, or wherever where there's hardwoods and there's a bit of shade and shadow, you're going to get more of that. I, I I feel like our South Texas because we don't have a canopy, it creates almost more of a nocturnal amp. That's just my. Yeah, when we're you know when I go down there with Rick. There, you know, there's a lot of those brush piles. That's we probably kill more raccoons out of brush piles than we do like big cottonwood trees, old houses, and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And like you take like a, I don't know, like a quarter section of property, and there the the farmer may have pushed in there, I don't know, eight or ten big brush piles, right? Russian right. olives and stuff, you know. And they're scattered every every hundred yards, you know. There's a brush pile. Well, you know, what we have to do is we'll make a stand real quick on every one of those brush piles. You know, it only we're only making like three, four minute stands, right? Because in the, either they're in there and they come out instantly or they're not, you know, but not. Yeah, you're right, though. Not every brush pile has a raccoon usually. But sometimes, you know, if you make if you go and call every one of those brush piles, uh, it, that's what's kind of different that people don't quite understand as far as, you know, comparing it to coyote hunting. You know, yeah, I'm blaring the call as loud as I can, and there's another brush pile right down the way, 100 yards. It doesn't matter. Like, very rarely do those raccoons. I have seen them come running that far, but usually it you got to be, like, right on that brush pile. And then you can walk down to that next brush pile, even though, obviously, they, they probably heard it, you know, because you were blaring the call so loud. They still, that like, it's like they don't want to travel very far. But like you're talking during the daytime, too, you know, when you're just trying to get them to come crashing out of the dead branches and, you know, start whacking them off the, you know, dropping them down into the brush pile and stuff. That's pretty fun. Yeah. And we've kind of, you know, like when you get to trapping, you know, I'm not the best trapper in the world. I, I, I wish I'd like to further that skill. Um, uh, I'm good. I'm good than most of the, better than most of the country. But, you know, when it comes to these guys that are doing it, uh, there, there's guys I've met that, that can literally just trap an, an animal almost every night. It, it's amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, but 
I the amount of damage and money that raccoons cause just me personally is is you know they're not as bad as cattle, but um yeah. It, anyway, I, I I've seen some of the videos coming out lately, and I, I've been like, man, I need this is something I need to get back into and try a little <laughs> bit more. But it's it's crazy. I mean, we have tons of raccoons, and it's just different than other places I've managed where you would see you would bump into these raccoons even at home i can i here at my house i have to trap raccoons in my backyard and down there at the ranch on the border um man it it it's just more difficult to get them outside of those wee morning hours yeah 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 nothing's ever clear cut that's the thing right everybody thinks everything's mm-hmm. going to be like uh do this right. and you just go hit that way every time right you know you that's hit cotton tail distress and just sit there <laughs> and it's going to be perfect every single time yeah. <laughs> uh, oh that's what keeps us on our toes <laughs> <laughs> yeah we um i had my um my niece my nephew's gotten some stuff and my niece you know she's trying to get her hog and i, I took him out coyote hunting and man it was one of those mornings, like I go into this like field that I've grown stuff for dove and quail. So you should see just, I, I go, I drive by this field all the time. It'll just be a random bobcat just sitting out looking at me all arrogant, like, Hey, I'm trying to hunt here, dude, <laughs> you know, and, and there's a lot, but you go out there and there's nothing. There's not a, a rabbit moving. There's not a bird moving. There's just nothing. And, um, you have those times like that, but then, man, there's those other days where it's just, it's on fire. And oh, yeah. Your, your, your mistakes that you're making or that you can't get on them fast enough or whatever. But, um, no, it's fun. Um, my, my daughter, my oldest got her first coat, um, this spring. And, nice. uh, she, we, we got sat down we didn't get set up great. Right. Cause we wanted to kind of go somewhere else, but we, we thought we saw a coat coyote when we, we drove by. And so I got set up and, um, we had cottontail distress on, this was like early spring. And I was just like, man, he's not, nothing's coming. Nothing's coming. And, and it's, it's on the swagger YouTube page. You can see the moment I switched to like a koi dog mix. It's like five seconds and that thing pops out, you know, and she shoots it like 150 <laughs> yards or whatever. But man, she, she was, she was just so pumped about it because like, you know, to them, that's like, they're, they're saving fawns in, in their head. That's what they're doing. They're counting up how many fawns they're saving. They're, they're doing, they do it differently than you and I do. Right. They're, they're, they're like, ah, we saved baby deer. <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah no you know, not, they, not me <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're we're like you know it, it's just it's funny to see their different reactions on there because the uh i had taken hattie a couple of times before and we had one of those nights where we did three sets and called in a pair of coyotes at each three sets and we just couldn't couldn't get on i mean they just came in it's tough for us. Like we, we don't have, I mean, we've got some fields, but most of the stuff when they're coming out of the brush, it's like opaque brush. Like, and then you're like 
crap, I'm 60 yards away. You know, so sometimes oh, it can yeah. be a little bit, you know, I, have you hunted South Texas much? Uh, not South Texas. I've been West Texas, but very, all mm. the stuff I, you know, Southern Arizona is like that. Like when you finally see the coyotes, they're killable with a shotgun, right? Like yeah, it's just yeah. a different style of, of attacking. Not great for kids, right? Like it's, it's like <laughs> no experience coyote <laughs> killers. It, it get it can be tough to get them killed, but you know, but yeah, it's not like, Oh, okay. We got time. We got them coming across the field for 300 yards. We can get the kid ready. You know? No. Yeah. When they come flying out and they stop for about one second and then they're back in the brush. Yeah. That's, <laughs> and, and and we're talking about, I mean, gun out the window, like ready to go. Like we we've tried it in a blind, like a, a standard deer blind. And, and that almost affords you less, you know, you think like, okay, I've got a kid I can, but the coyote never comes out the right place yeah, there. It's you know, never, and it, it just, yeah. And then you get down on the ground with them and um, they can't see as much as they could in a deer setting, but yeah, it, it's, it's fun. I mean, um, that's the challenge we, I like. Got, though. That's what you want, right? Right. Like, right. Look, Cause you know, I mean, adults. Okay. Here we go. We can call this coyote in. You're more proficient with a gun, <laughs> you know, hopefully with your swagger or whatever you're using here, you can get on this coyote within a couple seconds, but kids, you're like, okay, I know this is going to, what can I do on this setup to make sure that this coyote sticks around for those extra couple seconds we're going to need, you know, or, uh, that's the challenge I like, right? Like, how can we make this, right. you know, it, not that it's hard you know, already, how, but we're going to, you know, make it harder. Hattie's, than... Hattie's gotten pretty, you know, she's my oldest. She's, she's 12, man. She's been going hunting with me since she was, you know, like your kids. Like she's, she's, I think she was two years old. I mean, I got pictures of her when she can't walk, you know, where she was out at the ranch and whatnot, but like, she's gotten good enough at shooting and, and you get her in one of these situations where she's got to shoot from the ground. Like something comes off of the left. I'm, I'm pretty confident. Like I'm like, okay, yeah. You know, so I, I can, I feel like I can throw more things at her and um, you know, but for a kid, you know, going and sitting up a position like that's not permanent. You're just like, hey, just throw the yeah. swagger legs out, and you're good. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah, yeah. we're gonna move on. You know, and they're like, well, sh where's my pillow? Like, where's my? Yeah, <laughs> do yeah. I have my snacks? And you're like, this isn't that kind of hunting, you know. Um, and um, she's made some pretty dang good shots, man. She killed, um, you know, and I, and and I get, we've had this conversation with a couple other people. It's like when you say yardages you'll get somebody that's only shot at a range and be like man i used to shoot 500 yards no problem oh, well yeah. sitting on the ground up against a tree shooting a coyote at 500 that's oh yeah that's like aaron Rodgers, patrick mahomes stuff yeah. like yeah. <laughs> i mean it, it, it's you know yeah it, you know if you get sat with sandbags and and you got a bench rest and and all that stuff that that's great but it's like i, I did an ad campaign when we first came out with swagger and it was just like okay here's this place in colorado closest bench rest is 286 miles and like getting set up like that is it's a it's a different world man it's not you know you're not 
always going to have that bench rest there. And I, I, I've done this with outfitting outside of swagger. If we just stop talking about swagger for a second, but like the amount of guys that get, you know, they spend money on a gun, they spend money on a, a scope and then they show up and they've never shot in the hunting positions that they're going to have to shoot in. Right. They've, oh, they've yeah. gone, they've gone to the range and they've gone to a concrete bench and done this. And, you know, we, we used to always try to say like, you know, when we're in the military train as you fight. And, um, so, so I've been working with, with the girls and in, in putting them in those situations. Like when we shoot at the range, um, whether it be 22 or whatever, Hey, let's do a couple rounds there. Get, get feeling good. Get your fundamentals going, your trigger squeeze, your breathing. And after that, no, you're going to sit on the ground. Oh, 100%. Um, you know, and and, and, I, and I'm watching it, man. I've got a middle child that's, good Lord, she's the skinniest kid in the world. Like, and she can shoot a 300 Win Mag and take it better than my older, my older one can. <laughs> like, it, and it, it just doesn't bother her. She, 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 but it's her technique. She gets in there, she holds it close and she lets the recoil. I think she's so light. It just blows her back. So it doesn't <laughs> bruise her, but, um, but yeah, I, I um, uh, you know, I, I, whether it's coyote hunting or elk hunting or mule deer hunting that, that shooting position and learning how to do that quick, like, like you guys do, it's so such good it's fun in itself, but it's just such good training for everything else you've got to do. You know, you've got to make quick decisions in coyote hunting. You've got to, you've got to do things where you, you can't take time to zoom in and do all the fine tooth, but it, it's, it, there's nothing about coyote hunting that, that can do anything, but I said that wrong. Everything it only makes you better. Hunting, yeah. It makes you better. And, and, um, but, I told my boys that, yeah. right? Like my boys right. have been shooting coyotes since they're five and you know, they're teenagers now. And I'm like, guys, I'm like, you will have no problem killing any other animal in the entire world. The rest of your life. Like it'll be, everything else will be easy to shoot. You know, right. Everything so that, everything you're, you're that you still... shoot will be bigger than a coyote. More than likely it will, won't be moving as fast and as quick as a coyote's going to be moving. Um, so I'm like, if you can shoot coyotes, then you get to the point right. like me, like everything else is kind of boring to shoot, right? It's like, okay, this and, is, and you get to a, like, let's say a, a giant buck or a giant elk or whatever walks out, you are going to have to fight that, that nervousness and that stuff. But it's like that coyote hunting that to control the chaos, to make the decision quick, to put all the fundamentals together, the muscle memory, that, that, that stuff right there is going to make, you know, if, if your muscle memory and everything is on point, even if you, you won't, you're so nervous, you're breathing and you're, you, you want to make your rifle tip go in a figure eight. If you've got all that stuff c carried down that you learn from, from predator hunting, it's going to make it, I mean, it's just going to be smoother. Um, 100%. and you know, I, I think the, one of the biggest things is like, of course, if guys don't know how to call, and I, and I know we got electronic calls, it makes things easier. You know, you got like, I mean, shoot, you can just go get Rick Pallet's noises. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it, it, you know, um, but 
I still get this thing where the you get these guys, especially in the whitetail world, they're like, ah, well, we don't want to call, we don't want to screw it up for the deer. We we don't want to. Oh man, it's gonna freak all the deer out. And I'm like, no, these deer are dealing with these coyote. Like, de- deer don't just see a coyote one day and be like, shit, I gotta totally leave. I gotta move. Yeah, if anybody hey, saw how many deer. Away. How many deer that I call into the e-call every season? <laughs> they would realize that, yeah, you're probably not spooking any deer around. You know, I, I've almost, um, <laughs> I very rarely use fawn distress at our place anymore. Now, I did call up a coyote last weekend because I wasn't getting any calls called fawn distress. But uh, I've never, at, at, I know fawn distress works. I know it does. But over the last seven years, I have probably called in at, at the South Texas ranch, 25 does yeah. that come in and kick the call to every coyote that comes oh, yeah. in. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, angry, just mad. And they just run by and hoof the call. And you're like, crap, there went my <laughs> woolly bugger. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to get into more of this. I mean, the main point of this podcast is definitely, I want to talk about, you know, shooting, shooting supports, obviously talk about the swaggers. But before we get into that real quick, I want to back up just a little bit. I never really got to to really introduce you a little bit. Um, so give me a quick just intro to, to your background and kind of how you got involved with swagger. So um, I'm trying to give you like the 50,000 foot one real quick. Um, <laughs> I was... Uh, I was a writer in college and uh, took a writing for marketing class. And the, the professor was the owner of this, this ad agency. Um, and he, he pulled me aside one time. He's like, Hey man, I need somebody to help. And so I start I started working for them. That was my first kind of foray, you know, like foray into the marketing side, it was something that I really hadn't thought about, but I mean, it was, it was really cool. I got to work like on, you know, writing stuff for Texas Pete and Tyson chicken and, and just some different things. Um, and, and I really, really enjoyed that. I really did. But right around that time, nine 11 happened and I felt left out. Um, I had a, a buddy that was playing baseball at Clemson who was working in pharmaceutical sales and, and he just quit, joined the Rangers, and was in Afghanistan. And I, I just felt left out. So I quit my job and took off and did the Army for for a couple of times. Uh, you know, went to Iraq twice, uh, got wounded. And when I got back, I, I just said, I want to be into marketing, but I want to do it in a field that I love and I want to do it in the outdoors and hunting. And I, I just kind of had to work my way in there. And so I started working for uh, a nonprofit when I medically retired, um, basically running Purple Heart Ranch. And so I took a lot of wounded guys out, combat wounded, you know, Purple Heart guys, like severely wounded guys to guys that were. I almost say they were just missing a leg, right? Because some of the guys that we were taking, you know, JD, man, JD's missing both legs and an arm. And in his good arm, as he tells the story, 
and he tells it almost like a comedy where he holds his arm up after he's been blown up and says, thanks God, at least I got one arm. Jeez. Taliban shoots him in the forearm. <laughs> and, oh, and if you, if you hear JD, t- I, I, you, you, JD tells it and it's funny, you know, is he, the way he describes it. But um, also probably the, the best part of that job was I got to um, mentor and take out hunting for years. Kids whose dads were killed. Um, and to this day, I mean, most of my kids, they've all graduated college now that I, that I, you know, my little pups, oh, yeah. um, they're rock climbers. And one dude is, you know, works at the gym that trains top gun candidates in, in San Antonio. And nice. And, and that was, that was really cool. And then, so from there, there was some connections. Uh, I, I worked and ran Texas trophy hunters, um, as the vice president. Um, and that's when and I met, met you, correct? That, that's when I met you. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and man, that job, um, it's, it's owned by SEI now. So it's, it's all different owners. It's different things. If you had told me what my dream job was, I had it as a kid and the politics there were just about to drive me crazy. I mean, <laughs> they, they would just, they, and, and so at that time, uh, big and Jay, had been a sponsor of Texas trophy owners for, for years and years and years. I knew all those guys real good. Well, they had kind of shown me this swagger thing. And, um, there was an instance where, I mean, basically they, they kind of said, Hey, look, we need somebody to take over the marketing for, for big and J, but also launch swagger from, from the beginning. What do you think about it? And, Man, I had these crappy flip phone videos of swagger. <laughs> you know, on, I mean, on this thing, right? Because I mean, yeah. this was this was. It, it's so it's gonna be so funny, like because I, I was hearing somebody date something, like, well, this was before they had flip phones, and my kids were all like, "What?" <laughs> before, you know, before or I'm sorry, not it was before they had iPhones. Um, so, uh, you know, that's kind of how I ended up here and um swagger was was not invented by us it was invented by a guy named tom who loved coyote hunting more than probably anybody i've ever met like i mean just the pure love of it like it's it's insane but as his disability continued to keep him out of the field he had to invent something that he could continue coyote hunting with and and that's kind of how swagger was born well i'm not kind of how but that's exactly how it was born you know i've I've met tom i've I've talked to tom a couple times out at shot show you know and he'd come by and we talked coyote hunting for i don't know hour and a half two hours every time you know and you could do it for eight days yeah and the crazy thing about it i knew (laughs) uh, you know some guys just have the mind right of like coming up with these wild ass ideas and stuff and he started the first time I met him, he started telling me a story about how he has this boat and he lives up in South Dakota, like kind of up like Northern Nebraska, Southern South Dakota border, if I remember right. And he had a boat that he specifically 
like set up to hunt coyotes out of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like he, so he wanted to get on these it's, big, it's huge crazy. lakes. There's nobody he else is doing this. <laughs> yeah. So he starts telling me this and I'm like, I'm like, man, this dude, he is all about it, man. I can see exactly. Cause I'm a, you know, I, I look at this stuff and I'm like, who the hell could even think of this, you know? And I'm like, this is exactly the type of guy that thinks of something like this, you know, obsessed about coyote hunting and just has the mind to come up with some crazy idea. But I, I'll tell you, um, and because I have NDA signed with Tom out to the nth degree on different items, but we had a meeting one time. And, and so I am not an inventor type guy. I, I, I am just not. I am good at my space of, of creatively marketing things. My grandfather was an inventor. Um, he, he invented bracketless I mean, there's even kind of, he kind of invented the chicken McNugget. Like there's a whole story <laughs> behind that thing. And his father actually invented the automatic boiler for the steam engine. I did not get those well, gifts, but I feel, you, I feel your pain. I'm the same way, but, but people that you meet that have those gifts, we had a meeting one time with Tom and his brother and they just pitched like it was, it was after this is after Swagger, right? It, it was, man, I don't know, 10, 15 products. Oh, no kidding. From <laughs> like, I, I, I wish I could describe what some of these things are, but I can't. Um, from well, yeah, police. It shows the type of mind that this guy has. Uh, yeah. We're, we're talking about like, there were some coyote things and some, like, some of them are, you, you know, you got to understand, like, some, some ideas are great. But then you have to be able to make money off of it to sell it. And, and so that you get into factors of logistics. Can we get these these pieces in? Can we get this? Can we make it? Do the retailers want to buy it? Because that's the thing. You you can have a great product, but if the retailers don't want it, you know. And, and, and that, that kind of – if you go back to like Yeti, you know, Yeti overpowered that. Yeti showed up to retailers and like, hey, guys, you know the coolers you're selling? We got a cooler that's a little bit better that is going to sell for 20 times the price. And, you know, me, I thought that was crazy. Like, nobody's going to buy these coolers. Well, no, you know. Yeah. So they, they had police and, like, <laughs> detainment pieces. Like, it, it, was, it was a wild meeting. But their minds are, are – that's just the way their minds work. And and so that – anyway, that that's kind of – Tom came up with this. This is his baby. And, you know, we've, we've kind of grown and, and done different things from it. Um, but it, it's, it's wild because it is different. Um, and I have had the luxury of being into so many like booths meetings where I'm sitting here talking to somebody who's like, this is the dumbest, stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> And you're like, oh, okay, okay. And then watching them grasp and go, oh, my God. We have a video of a special forces guy. And he had friends of mine from Fort Bragg. This was at um, at Range Day years and years ago at Shot Show. Anyway, they sit up beside us, and the guy kind of comes over, and he's like, oh, yeah, you know some of the people I know. It's all cool. And then we show him the product, and he kind of looks at it, and he's like, oh, man. 
I'm like, hey, you know, you can take one back to your unit or whatever. So he was active duty. So he was still working for these other companies, you know. And he comes to me the next morning. He's like, man, I got to apologize to you. I was, I said some bad things about y'all last night. And I was like, oh, okay. He's like, I told my <laughs> wife. I was like, I met the dumbest company in the world. This is the <laughs> stupidest crap you've ever seen in your life. And so he's trying to explain to his wife, who's a three-gun shooter, how stupid we are. And he starts watching videos. And he's like, wait a second. This might be badass. And so we just said, like, okay, well, do you want to shoot? And he's like, yeah, I'm dying to shoot. And he shoots. He's like, I get it. I get it. Now, now I see. Um, you know, because I, I think when we think about stability, we think about the traditional bipod, right? And and all we thought about was like I, I wish we had never called swagger bipods bipods. That that was our biggest mistake from the beginning. Because when we associated bipods, even though the, the definition of a bipod is two legs, right? Yeah. It was a, it was being associated with a short traditional bipod that was for prone shooting only. And like that was, that was a big marketing hump for me to get over because it, it was just like, Oh well, man, how's this different from a Caldwell or, you know, a, an Atlas or, you know, a Harris. Well, man, I mean, Harris is an Atlas. Is a, yeah. Are great products, but they're made for one. But that's, I mean, you're comparing apples to oranges there. When more realistically, our competitors were not Harris. They weren't Alice. They were Bogpod and Primos for the trigger stick. And, and that, but that was being lost on a lot of consumers because they were hearing Bipod. So then ultimately we were grouped into that, you know. You know, early on, it took me, you know, a, a buddy of mine got a pair, and this is probably eight, eight, nine years ago. They were fairly new, you know, and at the time, you know, obviously, you know, I was using like a 20, 20, what, nine inch, 27, no, 27 inch Harris bipod, you know, it'd mm -hmm. go to the sitting, you know, but it was fixed leg. Right. And that, that was, that was one of the first, like, I mean, that. That was pretty innovative of the, when they came out with that. Yeah, for the longer one, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. to at least get yeah. to sitting, you know. But, you know, in, in the part of the country where I was hunting the most at, Nebraska, you know, very rarely are you ever sitting on a flat piece of ground, right? It's usually some sort of side hill, side of a canyon, um, you know. So I always had a set of just, like, just good old shooting sticks, right? Like wood or, mm -hmm. you know, made out of arrows shafts or whatever right because i those were longer and that allowed me the flexibility when i did get to that side hill and my harris bipod was longer so here i am packing in you know not only i got this harris bipod on my gun but then i'd have to pack in this shed of suit sticks and that was like my go-to because one stand may be flat the very next stand i go to and i sometimes i didn't know and then i saw this and i'm like man that makes a lot of sense to me i'm like you know but then and then i'm like damn do i want that thing on my gun <laughs> <laughs> that was that was oh, me dude to me, listen that was jason morton thing, jason morton from cz who i'm good friends with he was going to go do this hunt and i was like all right well you want me some say man i love you but i'm just too vain to have that on my gun <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, 
and and so for me, I, I liked it because I am one of those guys that will leave my shooting stick under the tree or. Oh yeah, you're forgetting. You know, yeah, just I, when I have a system, I put everything in my backpack. I know that every like I grab the things, and I I like like you still are a hunter series guy, or, or have you moved to the QD? Oh no, hundred percent hunter series. Yeah, but we have a ton of guys, especially predator guys. Like when I was hunting with John in Kansas, he loves the QD forty two, right? I was annoyed. Like I'm like, damn, dude, I gotta attach this thing. Everything like, if yep. I just had the hunter, <laughs> you know. But I, I think it, it just all comes down to preference, right? And and so for me, I like knowing that it is attached to my gun, and no matter what happens, you know. And, and we're not talking about coyote hunting right now, right? If we're, we're hiking up a mountain, and yeah, anything, yeah. Crap hits a fan, boom. I can roll over and, and I'm good. But like, you know, you go back to what what you were saying. Like, right. If, if you and I could take a shot at anything in the world, let's say, whether it be a coyote target or whatever, the our, we want to shoot prone, right? It's, it's the most, we're flat. We're oh, yeah, laid out. It's going to be the most sure, Yeah. You know, I mean, very rarely do I get the opportunity to shoot prone at a deer and whether it be an elk or whatever. And, and most of the time it's because of grass. And so when you add the coyote factor of needing to pivot to the left or the right or, you know, do whatever, uh, I think that's why coyote hunters predator hunters got the product the fastest when we first came out i mean they just did Uh, and you know i and i know tripods have come on strong lately um and and i get it man i I mean bog um you know we had we had to make them pivot a little bit and bog came out with the tripod Dude, I've been filming a long time. I hate carrying a tripod for a camera. Like it, it bugs crap out of me. Like, and, and you know, when you you go out and you film at night, you got to take a tripod. And when I compare the stability of that versus being able to sling a swagger where I have it attached, it's just it's just there. Yeah, I was I was watching a, a coyote hunting video on YouTube the other day. Actually, my boys watched, and I kind of walked through, and it, I walked into the room right when it showed the guy w- walking into the stand, and under one arm, he had his big chair, and under another arm, he had his big tripod. <laughs> and he had his gun slung across his back. And I watched for a second, and I'm like, that guy must not kill very many coyotes. <laughs> because... I- <laughs> if if trust me, if you kill enough coyotes and you have to drag them and cross fences, you will say, I need to be hands-free, right? Like I can't have a chair under this arm and I can't have a tripod over here because then you have well, no hands that are free to if, drag coyotes. If you, you know, because what PRS, uh, which I, I, I'm not backing on PRS, please don't, you know, but PRS kind of came about because it was supposed to be more realistic 
than bench shoots, right? Like I, I remember the first time I ever did a bench shoot where you know you have to pinch the trigger and the the you're just like, well, this isn't even really shooting. You know, the gun's locked down. <laughs> yeah. The gun weighs fifty pounds. <laughs> um, and but if you go and you look at these pictures, these guys are carrying, you know, a tripod for the front of the gun, a trigger stick for the back, and then they'll have three to four pillow pillows slung. Only oh, and, and man, I, like I get it. Take every advantage if, if the rules allow that in that competition. But what happens is sometimes that kind of stuff bleeds over into the real world in hunting. And you know, I, I've had okay. So let's take tripods and bipods and everything. Let's take it out of the conversation. I've had these conversations so many times where you'll get a guy. They get so brainwashed by that that they're like, well, I'm going on an elk hunt. If I might have to shoot 500 yards, I should probably take my bench rest gun. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> and and you, you know the outcome of that. They get worn out. They oh, get yeah. beaten up from carrying around a 25-pound gun with ammo and, and a scope. And, you know... It just doesn't make sense. And I, I can remember I had a guy that was so into it. We had one of these kids, and he was worried that the barrel length, I mean, we're talking, you know, to go down from, I, I don't even want to get into it, but y'all have met these people and, and know, and I love what long range shooting does to us, but we just have to realize that those are controlled environments. Like, right, I can take a Ferrari. Maybe no, I can't. But somebody can take a Lamborghini or Ferrari and go around a racetrack and go crazy. You can't do that in a UTV going up a side of a mountain in the sand hills. You, you know, and so I, that's what I try to equate hunting to is is four wheel driving, and that's what I think Swagger is. Swagger is a four wheel drive, all terrain, to be able to sit up and hit whatever the terrain throws at you in a moment's notice. And be able to keep your eye on the scope and, and move and track that target with the ability to flex. And, and I, I, you know, one of the biggest questions we always get is like, oh, well, can you load it? That's what I say. Well, do you load, do you load a pre, Primo's trigger stick? No. Do you load a bog pod? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, you know? the, the, the flex, the versatility of it to me, because... You know, I was just to say, and and now that I know Tom and that he was a coyote mm -hmm. hunter, this thing probably was invented specifically for coyote hunting. But before I knew that, I always said, "Man, it's because I I assumed that when I kind of got involved with you guys and I started shooting these, that this was probably more for the big game deer hunting, right? It's a bigger market, obviously, than the predator hunter and stuff like that." And I kept saying, "Man, I'm like this thing. This thing is was specifically invented for coyote hunters. Like, I don't care who else yeah. is using it." For what this is perfectly made for coyote hunters because of you, when you're sitting there, you know, it's never flat. It's very rarely ever, you know, you're on side hills, there's rocks. I've sat in the middle of rock piles, you know, and been able to get my, you know, one, one leg out at like an 80 degree angle on one rock. And the next leg is over here. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's just, um, 
you know, when I started shooting them, like I said, you know, for me, I had to get over the looks, right? I'm like, do I really want that thing yeah. on my gun? And and once you feel it and you're like, you know what, this thing is not heavy. Um, well, but that, that's the misconception. People would look at it and, you know, because the, the, the one we're talking about, uh, which, you know, is the original, it, you know, the legs pull out of the yeah, body. The hundred, the hundred people series. would be like, oh, yeah. my God. Well, that's just basically like a turtle shell. Yeah, it's just all the plastic that, housing it, that they, it, yeah, they slide it's just into. To pro, it's just protect everything else so you can stow it. Um, and, and for people that didn't want that, that's why we made the QD. But yeah, I mean, it it, it was like, people were like, oh my God, that thing probably weighs five pounds. And you're like, <laughs> this weighs three ounces more than the Harris <laughs> 9 to 12. Like, it's, <laughs> it's not... <laughs> But everybody, but, everybody that have, has ever used one, if you if you give it a chance, because here's the problem yeah. that people have, right? Oh, I don't like it. Well, they've they've used something else, probably obviously longer, right? And they're trying to switch to this, mm -hmm. and most people don't give it an honest chance, right? They're yeah. like, nope, nah, nah, you know, and they're stubborn, and they say, nope. I have never talked to a single person that gave it an honest chance and didn't like it. You know, I mean. Granted, like you said, some guys now are, are migrating to tripods just because they're, you know, they're night hunting. So they already have a, a high dollar tripod that they're night hunting off of. Um, so they're using it during the daytime. And obviously three legs is more steady than two. Right. But, you know, right. are you willing to but give it, up the mobility? You know, right. are you willing it's... to give up? OK, now I got to pack this tripod either in a, in a backpack or carry it under my arm. You know, to some people, it's worth it, you know. Some people just so struggle this, shooting, this is right? what I, I need this to shoot what I apply to that because in the military we we have this issue with being airborne where uh, and that's what I was I was an airborne scout so they want to drop you in these places because you're mobile right but then they load you down with so much crap you aren't mobile and so we say too light to fight too heavy to move. And and you become worthless, right? That you can go and just Google so many pictures. If you Google Army Sniper, I guarantee you over half the pictures will show you a sniper in a shooting position where he's using his elbows on his knees with the bipods hanging down. Like it's on it's it's on Google, but yeah. you know. I, I had a guy at the NRA uh, convention in uh, when it was in Louisville a couple of years. This is like, I think the second year of swagger and this guy comes and he looks at the swagger and he's like, kind of plays around with it. And he, he does all these like little tests, right? <laughs> he's, he's, he's really, really, he goes and he's like, it's stable, but it's not as stable as what I use. And I, I swear to God, this is 100% true. So he says, it's stable, but it's not as stable as what I use. So I'm like, okay, sir, what do, what do you use? What do you use? <laughs> He's like, well, in Kentucky, I've got a big farm, and I take card tables, and I uh, drill plywood on the top of my card tables and put them out in my pop-up blinds. <laughs> well, it's stable, but it's not as stable as my shooting And then bitch. he's like, and then I put sandbags on, and I'm oh, like, Jesus. You just described like 300 pounds of equipment. Like, <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> so yeah, I mean, you know, I, we can make, you know, it, there's a there's a rifle from there's a, a gun uh, manufacturer I know on the East Coast, and they make this. They have this hunting place that they take people hunting and do. It's only long shots, right? And for if they get somebody in there that they don't think can shoot, they have what they call as a babysitter, and it's a forty five pound rifle. And and that rifle is set up at eight hundred yards, and nobody misses, right? So yeah. But if you saw the contraption that is holding that rifle, that's not something that you and I can go take over on the hill and and you know, right? So we can make things more stable and just like. Our product, the Stalker Light, you'll hear people like, "Well, it's not as stable as Hunter." Well, hell no, it isn't. No, it's a couple. It's 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 made to put in your pocket, like in. It's a band aid. That's what it is. But it's a band aid you need. In a lot of situations. Well, it's all about the application, right? I mean, that's the Mm -hmm. thing that people, you know, you can compare whatever you want, but if you're not comparing apples to apples, to me, that's the huge thing. You know, to me, I don't. I don't even compare a tripod to a swagger. Right. I, I, they aren't. And and I, I you know, they're different. You know, but it, and it's down to personal preference, too. Like we said, mm-hmm. you know, if if you have that, you want to shoot of it. You know, I have I've I hunt with 50, 60 different guys a winter, you know, with all the stuff I mm-hmm. do. And I see swaggers. I see old school shooting sticks. I see tripods. I see it all, you know, and it's just you know, you started talking about it a little bit ago. Bottom line is whether you're using a Swagger 142, the QD, some tripod you got, old school shooting sticks, you know, that piece of equipment's only going to take you so far, right? Like if you're not right. if you're not practicing with those, I mean, I get, you know, guys show up and they've never worked with them. It takes, it's just like anything else. You know, the more you're familiar with the Swagger, how to maneuver it, how you know learning how to lock the legs in right like a lot of guys don't even know that they can do that you know pushing the button on the front locking the legs in and and dude it doesn't matter how many videos i do talking about going from neutral to park like it it doesn't yeah i I can't even do enough of them like understanding leg height how important you know when i do my coyote schools we spend time out at the range at the first day of class and of course, a lot of these guys see me shooting swaggers on the last stand and that kind of stuff. So they, they want to use those, but you know, one thing that is huge is the leg height, right? Obviously, you know, you can adjust these legs from, you know, I, I run the 42, so I, I can go clear out to 42, but a lot of times I'm running short on that. But what a lot of people do, my dad does this all the time. He'll extend his legs clear out to 42 inches, even though he doesn't need them. And then all of a sudden I look over there and his legs are spread out at like a freaking 50, 60 degree angle. Right. And I'm like, dad, I'm like, how are you going to, when you try to pick up that gun now to move it, your legs are spread so far wide that it's going to take you that much longer when you have to pick your gun over and swing 20 or 30 degrees over to the left or right and reset. Now you got to try to get this leg adjusted, this leg, because you have them so wide. Right. So just understanding your equipment and saying, okay, you know, I don't really want my legs that wide. You know, I tell people when you pick your gun up with the swagger legs hanging down, that angle that they come out of there is the is the length I usually try to keep my legs right. And that, that's a good point too, because the 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 advantage of the swagger 
you know, and, and like Trigger Stick was probably the first one, and, and some of the Harris models, right? But you would have to do it. Harris, you couldn't, I mean, yeah, I know it's a quick where you can adjust, right? But we're talking about in the heat of the moment. Yeah. That's what Kyoto is, right? Like, you right. It's in like the heat of the seconds, moment. Get on the target and shoot. Adjusting, you do not want to be touching. And and we still do. It, it's fun answering these consumer questions where they're like, man, you know, it's really sucks. But I, I pull my legs all the way out and I spread them all the way out. And I'm sitting there and I'm in mitts in Canada and a coyote comes out and it's really hard to adjust in the heat of the moment your your legs. And, you know, I'm like, why are you adjusting the legs? Yeah. You, you should be able to make that adjustment at that point in your hunt by spreading the legs out, moving them in, moving back, moving forward, using those springs and using your system. And like you're saying, man, it's a whole lot easier. Like if you spread, if you pull your legs out all the way and you spread them out all the way wide, to get them to pull back in and to move, it's like a football bat, right? Oh, yeah. Like, so you, you want to be in the position you want to be. And if something happens where you need to get it that much lower, you can pull them back into your waist. You can pull them back into, you know, but like you're saying, keep those legs at that manageable height. But I, I think that what we do see is people are like, I got 42 inch legs. I got to extend both of them out <laughs> as much as I can. Yeah. And then, you know, even if I don't need them, because they are, they're, they're very helpful. Um, you know, and, and this was coyote hunters told us the first time, because to me at the beginning, I, I, I love the hunter 29, right? And I don't think I've ever sent you a hunter 29. But the hunter 29, yeah, they're not tall, they're not quite long enough. For, they're not, uh, they're, they're not tall enough. Hill, yep. Right. So they're not made they're they're made to go from the prone or to a seated kneeling position on the ground. So that you're talking about that flat product. Ground. Right. That that yeah. covers two products though. So that covers a traditional bipod and a shooting stick. But they don't work in a seated in a chair position or in the sand hills like where you are, where you yeah. gotta put legs down below you. Unless you just take the legs and pull them back, stick them in your belt. But so, yeah, yeah. Point being is, you know, that that's, I like the flexibility of that, but our coyote guys were like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're never getting in the prone. Um, you know, and man, we like the 42s because most of what we can hunt, we only have to pull out one leg or uh, sorry, one section of the leg. Yeah. Right, and then when you get in the steep territory, you can pull out more of the. So anyway, we're 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 getting kind of boring talking about all this. Well, I think it's important. And, I mean, to, to yeah. be honest with you, using the swaggers. I mean, I'm telling you, a lot of guys. You know, I've shown it on, on videos and the last stand on specifically because I'm telling you, it's it's all about why are we using a swagger in the first place, right? Because we want the the quickness of mobility to get on target quicker, right? Mm -hmm. but there is a certain way that you have to train yourself to use them. You do in order yeah. to get quick at them, right? Like understanding that leg height does matter. Like the, the longer you have your legs, you have to understand that there is a downside to that. Yes. You may need long legs because you're sitting on a side hill, but I'll guarantee you 
it is tougher to move your gun to the left or to the right and readjust and reset it up the longer your legs are, right? You know, mm -hmm. so so I tell people only have your legs as long as you possibly need, you know, and you know, keep them, you know, like what what angle would you say that is if if those those when you lock those legs into the into the lock position into the housing what degree of angle is are those those holes coming out of there at probably like a 30 degree angle maybe right. yeah so we can get pretty nerdy here if y'all want to well i'm just um, i'm just curious about that angle like I, it's not a 45 for sure it's a more like a 30 right so but i mean man I have played around with this stuff with like the FBI hostage team, Delta guys. Like, you know, I, I, I am a good shooter, but I know some of the best shooters in the world that make me look like a peon. And there is this steady state that you can get in, whether you be prone, whether you be uh, seated, whatever. And so you talk about the angles. You know, first of all, if you bend a leg past 90 degrees, you will eventually bend that spring, no matter what the case is. So you want to be careful to not go out past 90 degrees. Now, we we guarantee the spring, but I'm just telling you, it doesn't matter if this is a spring on a swagger or whatever. If you distort the spring past 90 degrees, spring's done. And if you... The, the traditional sense is that you have to push in and load, right? Because that's what being hooked, because everybody, uh, that's what Sniper Hide says, right? You know, yeah, all the forums. Never done that one time. Yeah. No, don't, <laughs> don't, don't do it. Um, but there is something. So if you push in just a little, so if you get on that target and you push in just a little bit, because because loading really, you know, was designed to eliminate bipod hop. Now there's other uh, functions that came out of it that we we gained. Yeah, this is really cool. We get this out of this. I, I don't want to get into loading, but loading is basically forward pressure. And the moment you can be sitting on your target where you haven't, let's say your legs are 45 degrees down, and you've got the oldest swagger bipod in the world. And the springs are starting to get a little worn out, right? You've had it for eight years. You've shot it for the moment you bend in. You're you're adding pressure. You're adding friction, and you're adding stability to your shooting position. But what I have found that is by leaning back, somehow, especially in the prone uh, position you get an actual more stable position because it's like it's trying to pull you forward and the weight of your body gets you into this steady thing. And, I mean, it's like on a video, I'd have hell trying to describe this. And on podcasts, I know I got all kinds of people driving through Cheyenne right now on the road being like, this guy's full of crap. <laughs> Until you do it and shoot it, you just you don't realize it and you're like oh okay i i see what he's saying and and so what what you're saying is that yeah you it, it's it's shooting differently but it's the same thing you know when pop-up blinds became so 
prominent and you know 15 20 years ago man i used to have to take out guys hunting all the time and they would they would practice in their backyard with their bow and they'd shoot 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 and i'd tell them like have you practiced sitting down oh no i'm i'm just uh, yeah we're good and then you get down you sit down and you shoot a bow man it's different oh yeah it's different and yeah. that's the moral that, of the story though right yeah. like you go buy you the best 142 QD, whatever you buy yourself, it's not automatically going to make you just some unbelievable shot killing coyotes, right? It's right. It's about practicing with it, understanding really what the capabilities of this thing are and getting good with it. And hey, look at, look at the range. Russians right now. You, you know, we're talking about this war. Ukraine is is whipping this this superpowers well supposed superpowers but but it's it's because they it's so you know I'm I'm trying to not get political or whatever but like the Russians aren't practicing with what they have they they never have they don't report up they don't take lessons and they're getting beat by an inferior army and you know we tried to train them. Uh, especially with the tanks and NATO, and we were like, uh, giving them the most basic things in the world, and and that wasn't working for them, right? So they they had to apply the the right tactics, and and I think you look at like what these drones are doing and how drones are changing the war, and and just you got to think about that, like, you know, when it comes to, I think the best example I've always given is like the bow hunting thing. You know, who cares if you can stand up off your deck and hit 70 yards with a bow over and over and over again? What can you do when you're standing in a tree off balance or sitting down twisted across your body? Because those are the only two things that matter. Yeah. Like That's what it's going to be like in the real hunting world. Wise, hunting yeah. wise, right? I'm, I, you know, um, so I do, I, I do a simple yeah. drill. I tell my guys this, you know, I say. So I'll go buy like uh, some cheap, shitty, like practice wood arrows from Walmart for like three bucks a piece, you know, and I'll mm -hmm. go out to the range and I'll take these arrows. I'll go buy a pack of party balloons and I'll just go around the range and I'll set up these arrows, stick these arrows in the ground, knock sticking up and I'll blow up a balloon to about eight inches in, in diameter, which is roughly the kill zone of a coyote. And I'll set these all over across, you know, from 180 degrees out around me, you know, and then I go back and I, I take my lucky duck predator seat or whatever seat you're going to be actually sitting on or what you're going to be doing when you're out coyote hunting, get my swagger set up. And then the biggest thing is practice moving that thing. When you're straight up on a target, you're going to be fine on it. What's going to eat your lunch is moving to get on the target, right? As quickly and as efficiently as you can, right? So that's where guys fail to practice. So I'll purposely point myself clear to the left and make myself swing clear to the right and vice versa, point myself clear to the right, have to turn my body and swing clear to the left, pick up a you know color balloon, take one shot at it. And then I reset. I just don't sit there and bam, 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 blast away until I shoot the balloon. But you know, forcing yourself to to move with those and and getting good, that's where you make your money with a swagger, is getting good and efficient with making a quick move, be able to get on that target, 
you know, as quickly as possible once you make that move and adjust your leg and, you know, you'll, you'll kill coyotes. I'll guarantee it. Right. And, and you can do that while you're in the scope tracking your target. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, and, um, man, let's, what bullet do you shoot? You, you shoot Hornady, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm running that 53 right. grain, uh, V max. Um, and so that, that's kind of something else like, you know, that there's a trend and I'm, I'm not talking about, this probably isn't relevant to most of the people listening to this podcast. Cause you know, most coyote hunters are going to be a little bit, but the guys that are buying the expensive rifle, expensive coat, I, I do not know why, but the tendency is to buy the cheapest ammo possible. And you know, with a coyote, okay. Put on yeah. an elk and a deer, you start to see that, you know, and I'll ask them, like, what ammo do you have? And they're like, oh, 30-out-6. That's, you know, and, and and bullet, to me, that is the tip of the spear. That is the first thing that touches the animal. And I don't necessarily care whether you go the... Barnes bullet hammer GMX Hornady route where it's a monolithic copper, or if you go the VMAX or you know, bullets that explode. All I want the bullet to do is do the same thing consistently. And to me, that 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 is where I'd rather use a cheaper rifle, cheaper scope, and have premium ammo. But that, yeah, that like, is not you're, a... you're opening up like a whole new can of worms here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't mean to go down this route, but it, it's it's a big thing because I, I see guys all the time. And I mean, they, they show up and I'm like, what ammo do you have? Oh, it's, you know, 270. Here's the, here's the issue. Here's the issue, right? Yeah. Coyote hunting, a lot of new coyote hunters getting into the sport. Um, are buying AR-15s, right, to shoot coyotes with. Right, right, right. And so, and so they're like, well, I'm just going to go buy this the this bulk 223 ammo, right? Not really, under, you know, <laughs> like I said, I've hunted, I, I, I hunt with a lot of different guys every year, and so I get to see it all. I've had guys show up with full metal jackets, you know, not understanding the importance of that, you know, and, and we've, I actually had Hornady on, uh, the engineers from Hornady on a podcast, you know, a while back. Um, and we specifically talked about bullet types and what they do, the terminal ballistics and, and that whole array of, of stuff. And, Oh, it's a super important, right? Like I think, you know, the last thing, you know, and we could go down to a lot of different roads with this, but you know, how many times do you hear, Oh, that bullet? Sorry. I've lost too many coyotes oh. or too many deer. Right. Well, more than likely it probably wasn't the arrow. It was the Indian. Right. But Right. Um, but yeah, but it's important. Like, well, I, I, um, I won't say his name or the company, but I, I was complaining about our customer complaints that we get from Big and Jay and Swagger that are sometimes just like it, it melts your brain. Like, how you're just like, what? Well, you know, like, and this guy, uh, owns they they own a broadhead company and he was like oh 
I don't even want to hear it. Every deer that's shot with our broadhead that gets shot in the guts, it's our fault. Yeah, it's you broadhead know? fault, of course. Broadhead fault. <laughs> but it is it is something, you know, and coyotes are tougher than than you think. Um and I think even for older non-hunters, there's so much stuff out there on YouTube and whatnot where it's just all this headshots kills with, you know, whatever video game it is. And, and, and I mean, we get them on our channels all the time. Like, Why don't y'all do headshots? Just do headshots. And, you know, and on Hattie's video, when she shot her uh, coat, I think it was on Facebook and not YouTube, but. She shot it um, maybe a little bit far back, but it went down. And so on the video, I have her shoot it again. And she so she hits it again at 150, really good. It, man, you you've seen what coyotes do. Like, dude, she was using a 6.5 Creedmoor with the Hornady GMX. I mean, 120 grain bullet. Like on a coyote yeah that bullet didn't need enough time to do it was supposed to do going through a little coyote. yeah i mean it's 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 doing but i mean it's coyote's dead just it's a it's basically stole its soul before <laughs> it has time to know it's, it's done and and you can hear because she wants to make sure she's ethical and the coyote doesn't serve she, she takes a third shot at the end hits it in the head i mean she killed the coyote for a shot, <laughs> but people got on there and was like, you need to teach her how to shoot before you take her out again. I'm like, oh, gee, yeah. this girl's from a seated position hitting a coyote, a small coyote, not a big one, you know, three times at 150 plus. I think I'll take that to the bank and let you pretend, you know, but, but, but that the was internet probably, warriors know best. Come yeah. On. We know but, that, but, but that was probably because that, you know, that GMX just eh, on a coyote, it doesn't have time to open up. Nope. You know. Hey, one thing here before before we shut this down, I almost totally forgot. We we'd actually give have a dress rehearsal the other night when we started this, but we we spent this whole podcast talking and obviously your first time guest here on the thing, but I never got the story of you shooting your first coyote ever. Oh man, yeah. Um so, uh, I, I ran, it was one spring I'd gotten back from Iraq the second time and I was, uh, I, man, I, I'd never called, uh, done anything. We were on Fort Bragg and there were some SF guys that I knew that, um, you know, and there's a lot of land to hunt at Fort Bragg. There's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot. Chunk. But they were telling us, like, hey, man, you need to hunt. If you're going to hunt coyotes, hunt around the drop zones, um, you know, because it's it's mowed out. It's plant. It, 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 there's rabbits everywhere. You know, it's just it's a good place. And so that first night, um, uh, and, of course, I was an idiot. I didn't even have – I just had a howler. I, I I just went to the store and was like, okay, well, I'll try <laughs> this out. And, you know, <laughs> That was all they had at the uh, the AFES. And uh, we called in three um, pretty pretty quick, and there was a black one that kept jumping up 
Were you howling? Or I mean, were you doing like some trying to do like some Kai eyes? No, on it or? I I just was like howling and and then shutting up and you know it, this is with a mouth call. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and they got so close to I uh, I didn't want to call again because you know I had this black one. He's like at a hundred yards, but he's jumping up over this grass. Um, and I'm like, damn, man. Didn't you know? And they they wouldn't come out. And anyway, we we had fun that night. They, we kept them around for a little while, and I went back the next day, and um, and we were out, you know, having a beer the night before, and there was an older retired guy, and he's like, "No, man, no, you got to just do Cottontail. You just got to do Cottontail." And you know, I was like, oh, "Okay, no, no, you know, I've never done this. I've, you know, I didn't even know we had coyotes," and I went out. On the first one, and I was by myself. There was nobody with me. And I hit that cottontail, and it was probably 30 seconds. And coyote ran out, easiest shot in the world at 50 yards, and shot it. I was like, dang, this coyote hunt's pretty easy. Damn, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and then, uh, and, and, you know, it, it got me hooked. And then, of course, I found out that it's not so easy. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> that was the first coyote I ever shot. I, I shot him on Sicily drop zone. <clears throat> Fort, Fort Bragg, the old Fort Bragg yeah. coyote. <laughs> <laughs> so the one, the one last thing I got to ask you though, I said, I, I, every now and then. So I'll t- I'll tell the quick story that'll kind of relate to this. So I have a lot of buddies, you know, that hunt other stuff, not coyotes, but a lot of bird hunters, right? And Every now and mm-hmm. then they'll be out hunting pheasants or geese or something like that. And they'll shoot a coyote, whether that come running out of the patch of grass or it came running into the goose decoys and they jump up and shoot it. Right. Well, they all know I love killing coyotes. So they'll always send me these pictures, right? Ah, look at us. We killed this coyote. Well, like every time they send me one, it's the guy holding the coyote by the tail. <laughs> oh, you got all over me about that. <laughs> so i i always make fun of them i'm like oh my god look at these guys they don't even know how to hold a dead coyote right they're holding it up by the tail so i had to ask you i had to find out if if you're still taking pictures holding those coyotes by the tail or if you learned your lesson that that coyote that was with jeff danker (laughs) oh my god like well i you know i still the amount I'm trying to explain this. Sometimes <laughs> when you kill a coyote, the concentrated smell of their urine <laughs> is so bad. <laughs> and so if you had seen the video from what actually happened on that, so we call that coyote in and this thing comes so fast. Like it's straight down. I mean, it's, it's probably like we're expecting to have the shot out in front of us, but this thing comes straight under the call and is like attacking the call. And I mean, I can't make any excuses. It was, it was a weird angle. It happened faster, but I should have been ready. I, I, I missed. And then he goes out and he stands a little bit and gives me an easier thing. And he, I miss again. <laughs> And this thing takes off running, and the shot that I hit him at is at like 350 yards running up a cliff at <laughs> Mach 7. Figure. 
And I blew. Uh, there wasn't any innards left in that guy. It was all over the back of the legs and the things and the piss and the things. So, anyway, so I was an like, excuse uh, why you're grabbing him by the tail and not the hind legs? Is that what you're trying to tell uh, me? Oh, it was it was disgusting. It was it was absolutely disgusting. And so I thought, hey, I'll try to hold him up. But I know that's a big thing for you. I know I'll, I'll try to not do well, it I'm anymore. I'm just trying and to teach everybody how it, to take proper. It, even when Hattie did, I was like, picks. don't don't grab him by the. Tail, Jeff will get on you. Jeff will be making funny on Instagram if you are. <laughs> but I, hey, hey you have I, to you send know, me I, that picture, right? Let's let's make that picture the uh, the cover photo for this episode on, on Spotify. Is <laughs> <laughs> you holding that guy up by the tail? Come on, we're gonna do it. I I will tell you <laughs> that was one of the most fun coyote trips that I've had. We called in ton. We we shot a lot. We did not shoot as many as we called in, but it's a corner of Oklahoma. Man, it looked like Utah. We had mule deer running around. Like, I mean, dude, it was like red rocks. Um, that I, that and, and Sand Hills in the snow have been my two favorite. Sand Hills, Nebraska, my two favorite uh coyote trips i've ever yeah, done you, in my have, life. you have got a little taste in the nebraska sand hills i totally forgot about that it it I, I needed a shotgun yeah i needed a shotgun wherever you go hey, yeah. i try telling people it don't matter where you go you need a shotgun <laughs> it it was <clears throat> it was bananas but <laughs> sorry <laughs> we're having cedar fall down my keep coughing but i i um yeah, I, I I don't know, man. I love coyote hunting. I mean, it's not, not quite as... Bobcats are great, but the charge and the chaos, I, I think for anybody, anybody, it's just going to do nothing but help you get better. And And so that's on us. We need to grow hunters. We need to add more. You know, instead of getting on forums and picking on some guy for, you know, trying to use a 30 alt six to, to coyote hunt or whatever stupid thing he did. I mean, encourage these guys. Let's get them out more. Take, take two, three people coyote hunting this, this year. I don't know. I mean, do something like that. I, I, um, you know, it, it was sometimes annoying for our staff during 2020. Um, the amount of calls that we would get from people trying to attach the swagger onto their AR that didn't know what a Picatinny rail was. And, and we just kind of had to talk to like our staff and be like, Hey, but these are new hunters. Like the, these people have never done this. They don't know what a Picatinny rail is. They don't know what an M-lock is. They don't, you know, but, but they're buying our product. And in the end for the long run, this is what we got to do. So I, I, I would encourage anybody listening to this, no matter how good of a coyote hunter you are, get out there, recruit somebody new, take them out hunting. Yes, sir. What, uh, before we get off here, what, uh, anything coming on the Swagger website right now? You guys, you guys have some Christmas stuff coming up or you have any sales? What are like some that? sales? Um, Might be some. I hook them up with I'll my little it. promo code, my my little what special do you, coyote. You want to do promo your promo code, code for this? Yeah, well, I yeah, I do it all yours. the time anyway, man. Mm-hmm. You know, 
just I gotta yeah you know hook these listeners up. Well, yeah. Uh, we'll use um. What is your? Oh my god! Coyote Coyote Craze twenty five, man. Coyote Craze. Coyote Craze twenty five. Use that. Yeah. And uh, it's twenty five percent off, right? Yeah. Heck yeah. Um, can't beat that. We'll we'll do some stuff here coming up where we'll we'll have a couple of sales and whatnot, but um. Man, I'm just excited to get back out in the woods. I I know the elk season has been slow for a lot of people right now. Um, it seems like both Colorado and New Mexico are a little bit slow. But man, I'm so ready to be in the woods. Yeah, I hear you. It's so time. Ready. I think I'm down about four weeks from our first hunt. We're we're gonna be filming out in Nevada. That'll be my first day out killing coyotes. We'll be behind the camera, so. I better get my ass to the range and start practicing. I haven't shot a rifle since March. So, you know, mm. well, um, when I went with John in Kansas, I'll tell y'all, I should go watch. I hadn't shot a rifle since hunting season and I missed a coyote by about 75 yards. I'm not talking about the coyote was at 75 <laughs> yards. I missed it by 75 yards. <laughs> 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 just I mean, a bit outside <laughs> and uh you know i can make all kinds of excuses but you know what the only thing that you can really ex- i didn't practice before i didn't shoot i was cold it happens it happens and you get those kinks out of you get them out get them out on the range don't waste it on a pasture in Kansas. Heck no. Heck no. Well, sounds good, man. Swaggerbipods.com. That's the website. Jump on there. You guys can hit me up too. You know, if you're listening to this, um, you know, that's probably one of the top three questions I get on my Instagram page and stuff like that is, is asking questions about, like you said, how do I hook it onto my AR with Pictini rail or an M lock with the adapters um you know what size oh, 29 or 42 we, we've tried to make videos for all of those situations that are on youtube please go to our youtube page um swagger bipods youtube page which has done very well i mean youtube will throttle us quite a bit um but right now they're letting us do stuff so nice heck yeah hey send me some kill shots some reels when you get a chance i'll I'll put taylor yeah. swift songs to them yeah we got that's the craziest um, thing about youtube shorts you can just take coyote reels and put taylor swift songs to them yeah yeah <laughs> there you go <laughs> it's wild well yeah you guys are sponsored the last stand so yeah that's uh you know you guys have access to all that stuff so heck yeah we got uh plenty plenty of kill shots as always so I only post the raccoon ones with shotguns at close range, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> well, buddy, it's been fun, man. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna get off here. It's been a long day. Um, yeah, man. To jump back on the mower again. You're an, even an hour ahead of me, man. We're burning the the midnight oil on this one. So, but I appreciate you taking the time to jump on here. No, no problemo. Uh, I appreciate it. And man, you know, anybody listening to this, good luck. Have a great season. Be safe. Um, and just do us all a favor and kill at least one raccoon this year. 
Yeah. Hey, you a coffee drinker? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm gonna hook you up. So, so we have a new sponsor. Um, not only of my podcast, but kind of the whole Eastman's podcast is Juniper Mountain Coffee. Mm-hmm. So they have these um, all these gift packs that uh, they wanted to send out to all our guests that are on the podcast. So I'll uh, I'll hook you up with one of them. You can. I'm not a coffee drinker, so I really don't know if it's good or bad uh, or anywhere I, in I've between. Act- but. I've cut back a little bit, but my wife, oh my God, my wife is a, a coffee addict. Well, there but you go. No, you can we, surprise we still, her with it. Say, honey, look what I got we, for you. You know, we, we still uh, drink a bit and especially down when we're at the ranch. I mean, we, we've got all these people coming through, but like, um, I just try to not have it every day, but man, when I'm in hunt camp, I have it every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, sounds good. I'll, I'll send you this. This pack from Juniper Mountain Coffee, you can let me know. Like I said, I don't drink coffee, but um, you have to tell me if it's worth a damn or not. I'm assuming it is, you know. So, but uh, no, just a little thank you from them for being part of the podcast, man. Sounds good, brother. Well, hey, have a good one. Uh, get some rest and, man, good luck tomorrow. You bet, man. I want to thank everybody for, for checking out this edition of the Eastman's Predator Post podcast. Um, you know, your feedback your listens is what makes this the number one podcast predator hunting podcast uh, in the country. So want to thank you guys, you know, jumping on Spotify, giving it that five-star review goes a long way. Uh, iTunes reviews, you know, sponsors and everybody that uh, takes part in this podcast. That's what they look at. So um, really appreciate everybody's feedback there. Um, of course, we can't do this without the great sponsors of this podcast, Swagger Bipods, Lucky Duck Predator Calls, Onyx Hunt, Sig Sour Optics, Juniper Mountain Coffee, Silencer Central, Hornady, Cryptech, and of course, Eastman's for putting this all together. If you're needing more information about myself, the best way to get that is just go over to my website, which is coyotecraze.com. You can get links to my social media, YouTube channel, um, send me an email, whatever you need to do there. Um, that's the best way to get a hold of me. So appreciate you guys listening. Until next time, we'll catch you right here on the Eastman's Predator Pros podcast.